You're listening to our series on Ephesians. We hope this series will inspire and encourage you. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Okay, so this is called a new wardrobe. What I'd like you to do, if you're still wearing a jacket, could you take your jacket off? You can put it back on a little bit. Just take your jacket off. Maybe if you're brave enough, take your shoes off. If you're wearing a scarf, maybe take that off. If you're wearing a hat, maybe take that off. Maybe take your glasses off. I don't know. And Super, that's good. And then go up to somebody and swap clothes with them. Give your clothes to somebody else. You can take them back pretty much instantly. It's just the exercise of what I want you to do. So maybe get somebody else to wear your glasses. John, get somebody else to wear your glasses briefly. Let them see how it feels to look through your eyes. What about you guys? Putting a jumper on or something like that? <laughs> Can you see anything looking through those glasses? And has anybody worn Sarah's green shoes? Does anybody know? She's put them back on. <laughs> Do you know what? There is an absolute tenuous link to doing all that, which I will come to as we uh, move through this next 45 minutes or so. Um, but just what I want you to do, just think how you felt. I mean, it was a bit amusing, it was a bit fun, but just think how you felt when you were putting somebody's ill-fitting jacket on or maybe glasses that didn't, you couldn't see through or, or whatever. Just think how that felt. Maybe you had a sweaty hat on. I don't know. But just bear that in mind. All right, as always, we're going to read the chapter that we're on. So if you could open your various translations, open your Bible apps, Yep, open your Bible apps, wherever it is. Incidentally, if you're on Twitter and you've got any questions or any thoughts that you want to add to the conversation, the hashtag is hashtag CCLeads. So hashtag CCLeads, if you do have anything to share. So ask any questions or any statements or anything like that you want to add, hashtag CCLeads. Right then, so if you can open Ephesians 4, I hope you've already done that by now, and I'm going to read it through. It's not very long, so it shouldn't take us too long to do that. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he who also descended to the lower earthly regions He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, 
the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the, uh, the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance there is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. It's a letter to the Ephesians. It's a letter to you and to me. I think I said way back in the first week that it's a very practical letter. It really doesn't dance about the bushes. It just gets straight in there and tells it how it is, how we are to be as followers of Christ. So I implore you particularly just to, I mean, reread Ephesians again and again, but just reread chapter 4 and then read it again and read it again and really take to heart what it is saying. 
As we listen and we discuss this afternoon, I want us to keep in mind a key verse from this chapter, and that's verse 23. And in verse 23, it says, Be made new in the attitude of your minds. And I'd like us to consider today patterns of behavior and thinking. Patterns of behavior and thinking in us that we uh, have found it hard to discard and to measure up to what God's Word says about the patterns of behavior and thinking. Paul starts by urging the folks here in Ephesians to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Forget, this is to us as well. A call of God is a high and noble calling, and he encourages them to leave their old identity behind and to embrace fully the new calling that they have received in Christ. He sums it up in verses 22 through to 24 when he says, Put off your old self and put on the new self. Their walk is to reflect their calling. You can begin to see the tenuous link of swapping clothes, as we did earlier, that some of them felt a bit strange and a bit awkward because that wasn't who you were meant to have been dressed in. That's the clothes you weren't meant to have. And it feels a bit strange and a bit awkward. Paul identifies in verses 25 through to 32 the unworthy ways that we must put off as lies, anger, stealing, corrupt conversation, bitterness, rage, slander, and malice. He's basically saying to you and to me, look, make a choice. Take control. Stop doing these things. They are not worthy of your calling. No more lying to cover yourself. No more stealing to get ahead. No more dishonesty to gain advantage. No more gossip to make you feel good. No more anger to get your own way. No more bitterness in self-pity to get attention. Discard your old ways. Discard them like an old coat or a jacket. Take them off. Get rid of them. Don't hold on to them. Assign them under B for bin. Just get rid of them. Instead of those old, dirty, dingy clothes, put on your inheritance. The robe of righteousness, as described in Isaiah 61, verse 10. Like Joseph with his coat of many colors, display the full, dazzling color of God's character. Speaking the truth in love, dealing with anger, working in order to give to those in need, speaking words that bless, being kind, compassionate, and forgiving come back to that key verse. Be made new in the attitude of your minds. 
We're being asked, we're being challenged to put off the old mindset and to put on a new mindset from the heavenly realms. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 3 says this, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. A few weeks ago, Kathy talked about your position, where you are with Christ. And where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand. And as believers, that's exactly where you are. You have access to the Father. Do you know, the devil has this really annoying ability to rob us of our inheritance. And he does this by getting us to keep on wearing stuff from that old wardrobe. He and his minions can, they can cloud our minds. They can keep us ignorant of the liberating truth that is able to set us free from old patterns, attitudes, and behaviors. So Paul, the writer of Ephesians, he urged the Romans, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Read Romans 12, verse 2. So a question to ask them would be, maybe a couple of questions, how do we renew our minds? How do we do that? And further, how do we live a life worthy of this calling that we've received? In writing to the Corinthians, Paul said, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And that's from 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 to 5. Thinking a certain way can become so often entrenched in our minds that it becomes a stronghold, a fortress, a castle, or even a refuge that we retreat back into. These are these pretensions that pose as the normal, the acceptable, setting themselves up as the alternative against the knowledge of the way that God wants us to live. The Bible calls these things pretensions because they parade themselves. They pretend to be as truth. And unfortunately, we can so readily slip back into old negative and sinful thought patterns. These ways of thinking that are burned into our minds over and over again through exposure to the ways of the world. They can even become the bedrock of our belief system and our value systems because sometimes they've come out of our experience. 
our training, or even our parentage. And because of that, because of those, those, valid, those valid things, we come to accept them as fact. And those can be statements like this. So if you've ever muttered these statements, and if you're still muttering them, take them off. Stop. It's not the wardrobe you should be wearing. Statements like, I am a failure. Self-discipline is hard to achieve. I must please everybody. My childhood will always affect me. And there's more and more statements. There's probably things you're thinking of right now. What things do I say and how does that line itself up with what God really wants from me? Statements like these become self-talk statements. And we, the more we say them, the more we embed them into our thought processes. And you know what? We've got to reach in and pull these things out, kicking and screaming. And then let's examine them in the light of God's Word and the light of His truth. We must choose. I talked about choose a little earlier, about choice. We've got to choose to take these things captive and submit them in obedience to Christ, putting them off through repentance, choosing instead to embrace and embrace the mind of Christ by putting on the truth. Philippians 4 verse 8 says this, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Okay, I've talked for a little while now. It's time for the questions and the discussions that we've been doing throughout the series. So question or discussion point one. Try and make a list of things that would go under the headings of put off and put on. Two, how can thoughts be taken captive? Share your experiences. Three, talk through the aspects as you understand them of strongholds and pretensions of the mind. As you understand them. Don't think you have to over-spiritualize or over-theologize. Just as you understand them. Four, and I'll come back to this later on, but four, look through the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5 and find the instances where Jesus says, but I tell you. Number five, take in the categories of Philippians 4, verse 8, which I've just read. Come up with three concrete things for each category. And finally, six. It might seem a bit conceptual, but try and ground it if you can. Discuss the contrasts between human reasoning and the divine wisdom of Jesus. Okay, so those are the six questions. And as always, there's a number on the paper that you've been given at your tables. Start with that question first. Discuss it. Talk about it. Try and give everybody a voice that are sat on your table, whether that's three or lots. Uh, and if you get beyond that, you feel you've talked that question through, then please move on to another question that you like the sound of. Okay, so I'll give us quite a bit of time to do that because this is just as important as me talking 
It's important that you listen and talk to one another. Okay, so let's have a bit of background music on very quietly and we'll do the questions. All right, okay. As we allow our minds to be saturated with God's Word and flooded with the truth, the thought patterns that are built up in our minds that are contrary to Him will be broken up. They will be broken up as you saturate your mind with God's Word. As we put off thought patterns, old thought patterns, and discard them, the Holy Spirit rebuilds our thoughts around Christ and His precepts, which is His commandments and His directives. Renewing our minds is the process of embracing God's Word and turning it into spiritual faith and energy where biblical principles are turned into working practices, working realities. Allowing His truths, His Word to turn around in our thinking over and over again something happens. Something amazing. Something wonderful. Something beautiful. There is no replacement for God's Word. You can read many books around God's Word that are about God's Word. You can listen to many preachers about God's Word. But there is no replacement to helping you renew your mind by saturating it with His Word. By allowing it to penetrate, to permeate, and to saturate our thinking, our minds are cleansed from wrongful patterns. And it says in Ephesians 5, so a little bit of a skip ahead to next week, verse 26, by washing with water through the Word. So I want to come back to um, number four in the questions discussion points. Um, because I realize that may have seemed a little bit random that I asked you to consider the Sermon on the Mount when I hadn't mentioned it uh, in the first half. So let me just take a moment and I want to explain to you why I connected it into this subject. The Sermon on the Mount has often been called Christ's Manifesto for Kingdom Living. It is, in fact, the revealed mind of Christ. I think we were talking with Laura a few moments ago, the question six. It is his divine wisdom laid out for you to read and understand. Because he taught in complete contrast to the mindset of the day. The phrase constantly repeated after Jesus has stated the perception of the day is this. And if anyone can say it, say it with me. But I tell you. Followed by eternal truths from the heart of heaven. One of these statements from verse 43 says this. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
Jesus exalted them to put off their old thinking and embrace the truth and put on new mindset. Let me read just one verse. It's in Philippians chapter 2 and it's verse 5. And this is an exhortation to you, a plea, a desire for you. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In a little while, we're going to come together and we're going to corporately worship our Father. But as this talk and discussion today has been about changing our thought patterns and behavior, I, I kind of felt that we need to take some time to be able to work some things out, resolve some things, make some personal decisions for change, and a chance maybe to be able to repent, to ask for forgiveness. And this may be forgiveness that you seek from God, which he'll freely give. Or it could be forgiveness from one another. And a practical way of doing this, I think, will be to look at what does the Bible say about meditation. And this is recognized across very many different cultures and across many different faiths as a, a medium to which we can calm our minds and get to the truth of bothersome thoughts and pretensions. So in the groups that you have found yourselves in, I want you to take note of these following verses which will come up on the screen. And my desire is that you read them out loud. Read them out loud to one another. And then... I'd like you to take the advice that you read in them and meditate. Let the Holy Spirit take control. Let him guide your thoughts. Meditation can begin by just taking maybe one word, a thought, or even a phrase, and then roll it around in your mind, continually contemplating it, pondering it, dwelling on it. So, after you've read through these verses and looked at what the Bible says about meditation and the importance that it gives it, just pick something, will you? A word, a thought, a phrase, and if you like, start to view it from every angle in your imagination. Weigh it, study it. And do all this with the help of the Holy Spirit. Allow it to, as I said before, permeate, penetrate, saturate your thinking. And in a strange way, think of it like a cow chewing cud. Swallowing it and then bringing it back up again. Chewing it, swallowing it. <laughs> and then bringing it back up again. And do this over and over again until you think you've fully digested 
and gestated whatever it is that you're, you're meditating on. And I would encourage you from this morning, and the, these guys will start playing in a little while, use this technique into and bring it into your everyday lives. So even if it's just maybe for a few minutes, for a whole evening, whatever. But use it, I would suggest, as your weapon of choice in the busy, worrisome world in which we live. And help it to help you cleanse your thoughts, develop you, and mature you. Okay, let's do that now. Thank you. What is being said. Because prophetic words are powerful words, and we need to meditate on them. Okay, Ben. Um, so uh, just gauge your spirit for this word may awaken some of us. Um, this is what I felt God was saying. is I heard the word, I'm dressing the bride once again. I'm dressing the bride once again. We know the bride is an um, image of the church. And uh, I asked God, well, what does that mean? And he said, I felt he said this. Um, I feel that with, within the transition of the building and the location, God is wanting to awaken something within us. He is looking to clothe us with the provision that only he is able to make possible. Provision which needs to be believed to step up and to be dressed. Be expectant, family, to let God awaken something within you. For some of you, this may be a surprise. The awakening of what God is going to do in you individually, it may come as a surprise to you as we move geographical locations and buildings. So let the bride be, be dressed once again by the Lord. And uh, Stu's just going to pray for us. Yeah, we've talked about changing the atmosphere. We are his church. And I'd just like us, if you feel comfortable, to stand, because I believe God wants to impart something to us as we go out into our week to believe that we will have divine appointments, we will have opportunity, we'll have encounter with Jesus, whatever it is. So I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing. We, we were singing, every single one that was singing the song said, take us to the river. I want to drink from the river before I leave. I want to receive something. So as I pray, I'm asking you to open your hearts to be expectant for something this week. Heavenly Father, we honor you today. We give you praise. You are the Lord Almighty who saved us and we thank you. And right now, Lords, as we are at the river, we receive from heaven divine appointment for this week, Lord God, divine encounter, something supernatural we call into our lives that we will change the atmosphere wherever we are by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we receive the blessing upon us. The blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, we receive today and we call upon you to send fire on us in a new way, God. Cultivate our hearts. Blow on our hearts, Lord God, that we will set fires where we go. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. If you said amen, just give God a huge round of applause. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.